0: Last week, as you know, and I'm not going to recap because we've been in it too long. It would take me all night just to recap. But last week we looked at give us today our daily bread. And I simply want to cover the fact that that reminds us that every day we are to trust in God. Amen. Amen. If you were here last week, we learned that that portion of Christ's prayer reminded us that every day we are to lean on God, and every day we are to rely on God, and every day we are to put our trust and confidence in God. Every day we are to call on God to meet our physical needs, our emotional needs, our mental needs, and our spiritual needs. That's what Jesus was referring to when he said, give us today our daily bread. He was reminding us that every single day. We needed God to provide for the full man or the full woman, our spirit, our body, our mind, and and every other uh, area of our life. And tonight we're going to look how we need forgiveness every day as well. How many of you know every day we need forgiveness? Amen. How many of you know that every day this world has a way of polluting us? Every day we have the propensity to grieve God. Every day we have the propensity to say something or do something or think something that is contrary to the heart of God. Every day we come into contact with the contaminating influences of this world. So every day we should open our heart to God for cleansing, just like David did in Psalm 139 23. When he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way within me. And the reality is every single day. That's really what this portion of prayer means. When he, When we say, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. We really, in order to pray that prayer, we have to be willing to open up our heart to God and let him have access. Amen. We have to be willing to say like David, search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me through and through. Know my anxious ways and reveal to me if there is any wicked way within me, any iniquity within me so that I can be set free. How many of you want to be free? Amen. That's what the cross is all about. The cross is all about forgiveness. That's what we're talking about tonight, too. But every day, just like we ask for bread. We should ask the Father to forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Amen? The first thing that I want us to notice in the Lord's Prayer in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus wasn't speaking past tense when he spoke about forgiveness. He didn't say, as we have forgiven, like it was yesterday. He didn't say, as we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us, being past tense. Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, he uses a perpetual tense. He didn't say, uh, just referring to yesterday, he was reminding us that every day he uses a perpetual tense, past, present, and still to come. He said, forgive us of our trespasses, as As we forgive or in the Greek, as we continue to forgive those who trespass against us today, tomorrow, next week, next year. What he's doing is trying to create in us a heart that is willing to forgive, not just today, not just yesterday, but tomorrow when someone sins against us. Amen. Jesus uses those words on purpose, reminding us that we are to seek forgiveness, our own forgiveness every day. But every day we have to offer it to others as well, because how many of you know every day someone has the ability to mistreat you? Every day someone has the ability to say something unkind about you. Every day someone will do something to upset us or say something to upset us. Every day someone will say something or do something that has the power to bring bitterness into our lives. But Jesus is teaching us that every day we are to seek forgiveness... And every day we are to offer forgiveness as well. Amen? You see, it's great that you forgive the person uh, that sinned against you yesterday. But what if he sins against you today? And what if he sins against you again tomorrow? And what if he sins against you again next week? It's kind of like Peter who said, Jesus, how many times am I supposed to forgive my neighbor? Seven times? And what did Jesus say? We'll talk about it later. He said, no, seven times seventy times. And again, we'll get to it later. He wasn't saying 490 times. He was saying every day you have a heart. You have to have a heart that's willing to forgive. You have to have a heart that's willing to ask for forgiveness. And every day you have to have a heart that is willing to offer forgiveness as well. The word of God tells us in Colossians three, twelve to 13, since God has chose you or chosen you to be the holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, Paul said, so you must also forgive others. Again, he was not talking past tense. He was talking perpetually, not just yesterday, but today and tomorrow as well. Look at, look at this passage of Scripture three times in this text. The Lord issues a command that we are to forgive. I want you to understand and realize that forgiveness is not Well, it is an option, but God doesn't make it an option for us. It wasn't a suggestion and it wasn't a recommendation for us to forgive our neighbor. It wasn't a suggestion for us to forgive our kids or for us to forgive our spouse or for us to forgive the the individual that did something to offend us. It was a command. Three times in this passage of Scripture, He reminds us that it is our duty as His holy people to forgive I have chosen you as holy people whom I love. And because he has chosen us, we must three times, he says, forgive. And at the center of the Lord's Prayer, we find a call to forgiveness as well. Because how many of you know forgiveness is the central theme of our faith? Forgiveness is is central to our faith. The cross is all about forgiveness, just like we sang, church. It's why Christ came to forgive us. It's why He stepped off His throne. It's why He made Himself nothing. It's why He went to the cross. It's why He laid down His life. It's so that we could be forgiven, church. It's what the blood of Jesus Christ is all about. It's about the forgiveness of sin. Well, how did John introduce Jesus to the world? He said, behold, the precious Lamb of God who came to what? Take away the sins of the world. It's why Jesus came, to forgive you and to forgive me. Of all of our sins, church, the the sins that we committed yesterday, the sins that we'll commit today, and the sins that we will commit tomorrow. And it's why in the middle of the prayer, Jesus said, forgive us of our trespasses or sins as we forgive those who have trespassed, who trespass or sin against us. Because without asking for forgiveness, Without offering forgiveness like Jesus did, church, the reality is God's kingdom will not come into our lives, and we cannot enter His kingdom either. I know it may be hard for some of us to understand, and it may be harsh, but the reality is, unless we are willing to pray this prayer, unless we are willing to ask for our own forgiveness and offer forgiveness as well, the Word of God tells me you will not see the kingdom of God. You will not see it here on earth. You can pray thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy anointing come, thy favor come, thy provisions come, thy healing come, thy blessing come, thy goodness. You can pray that prayer till you're blue in the face. But if you do not ask for forgiveness and you are not willing to, to release forgiveness into the lives of others, God's kingdom will not come into our lives. I didn't say that. God said that. So you, you can question me. I'll direct you to the Word of God, and then you can argue with Him. But the Word of God makes it clear that unless we are willing to pray this portion of, our, of the prayer, we will not see the kingdom of God here... And we will not see the kingdom of God then. If we're not willing to pray this prayer and allow this to be the condition of our heart, the kingdom of God will not come to us and we will not enter the kingdom of God either. And I'll teach you that as we go. Before we get farther into that, because that's what we're going to learn tonight, the title of my message, like I said, is forgive us as we forgive others. But first, let me take a little detour to set just how important forgiveness is. Mark 11, 24 says this, Jesus speaking, he says, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. The last week we heard this verse, truly, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, if you believe you have received it, it will be yours. Look at it again. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours, Jesus said, because that's how powerful prayer is. Amen? Prayer brings about the impossible. All that we've learned in so many studies is prayer has the power to move kingdom on, uh, God's kingdom on our behalf and the devil's kingdom out of the way. Prayer has the power to bring healing into our life and provision into our life and joy into our life and peace into our life. That's the power of prayer. Remember, Jesus raised the dead through prayer. He multiplied a few fish and a few loaves, church, through the power of prayer. He healed the sick through prayer. He caused the lame to walk through prayer. He brought sight to the blind all through this spiritual discipline of prayer. All through Scripture, we see that prayer had the power to turn the tide. All through Scripture, we see that prayer had the power to overcome the enemy. All through Scripture, we find that prayer brought victory to God's people. What we have to understand is that prayer is the foundation of every miracle and every mighty move of God all throughout history, not just in the word of God. I want you to understand, you see, there's miracles in your life that haven't been recorded in the word of God. There's miracles to come in your life that have not been recorded in the word of God. But every one of those miracles and every mighty move of God comes through the power of prayer. If you don't pray for healing, you're not going to get healing. If you don't pray for a provision, you're not going to get a provision. If you don't pray for joy, you're not going to find joy. If you don't pray for God's blessings to come into your life, you're not going to receive God's blessings into your life. I want you to just to understand, I make that point, just so you understand how important and powerful prayer is. However, as powerful as prayer can be, Jesus continues in verse 25. It seems like it doesn't fit, but he says, therefore, in 24, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. But immediately he goes to verse 25 and says, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone that you are holding a grudge against so that your heavenly father will forgive your sins. Because the reality is God will not hear the prayer of an unforgiving heart. God will not hear the prayer two sides. God will not hear the prayer of the heart that has not said, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. And he will not hear the prayer of a heart that is harboring resentment and bitterness and wrath and anger in its heart as well. He will not forgive that individual and he will not hear that prayer. There's a lot of people wondering, why are my prayers not being heard? Why are my prayers not being answered? Well, most of the time it's one of two reasons. Well, there's three reasons. The first I'll get out of the way. Sometimes it's just not God's timing yet. Okay? And we need to be patient in that. We need to ask God forgive us for our impatience. But two of the main reasons is one, we haven't, we haven't asked Him to forgive us of our sin. We're harboring stuff in our heart. And we need to ask Him to forgive us so His kingdom can come. The other reason might be is because we're holding ought. And we think we're allowed to. We think we have a right to. They hurt me this bad. They did me this bad. I have a right to be angry. And I have a right to be resentful. And I have a right to be bitter. No, you don't. You can be, but don't expect God's kingdom to come into your life. This is what Jesus is teaching us. And why we have to have that as a portion of our prayer. He will not hear the prayers of a bitter, resentful heart. The truth is, as powerful as prayer can be, Jesus says it is meaningless. Prayer is meaningless if you have unforgiveness in your heart. It's meaningless if you're holding a grudge or resentment or anger against anyone, Jesus said. You see, the reality is prayer will never reach its potential. Your prayers will never reach their fullest potential. Your prayers will never reach the Father. My prayers will never reach the kingdom of God. They will never make it to the ears of God if my heart is filled with unforgiveness. They will not come into the throne room of God and I'll explain that a little bit later. So it gives you an understanding. Even though the veil was rent in two and God commands us or, or now releases us to come boldly into His throne room of grace, it doesn't mean we can still, doesn't mean we can come with impurities. It doesn't mean that we can come with a filthy heart and filthy hands. We still have to purify ourselves. And one of those impurities is unforgiveness. And I'll show you that a little bit later. You must make allowance for each other's faults. Scripture says, wow, that's hard, isn't it? You must make allowance. Listen to me. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you're as much a sinner as the next guy. I'm as much a sinner as the next guy. I've been saved by grace. She's been saved by grace. My brother Willie's been saved by. We have all been saved by grace. It's not by my good works. It's not by my good deeds, lest any man should boast. That's what the Pharisees did. They boasted in their righteousness. But inside, the Word of God says that they were whitewashed sepulchers, full of death. I want you to understand, if your heart is filled with unforgiveness, you are a whitewashed sepulcher. You are full of death. And God won't forgive you and everything you offer unto God will be rejected. Everything the Pharisees offered unto God was rejected by God. All of it. It was impure. A heart that offers anything up to God. If it has the impurity of unforgiveness in its heart, it will not be received by God. You must make allowance for each other's fault and forgive the one who offends you. How many of you have ever been offended by somebody? Good Lord, I think I'm offended every day. But you know what I try to do? I try to be like that duck that just lets it roll off my back. I cover myself in the blood of Jesus Christ and all of those things that come against me, they just roll right off my back. You know what you need to do when someone tries to offend you? Plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Cover yourself in the blood of Jesus Christ because there ain't no accusation that can get through the blood of Jesus Christ. Cover your mind in the blood of Jesus Christ. Cover your emotions in the blood of Jesus Christ. Cover your heart in the blood of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what the enemy does. It will not be an offense to you. This is what we need, church. This is the attitude of the heart we have to have. Forgive the one who offends you. And he goes on and says, remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. The Lord forgave you. The Lord forgave me. Why did he forgive me? Because I was a sinner. Because I was lost. Because I was walking in my own ways, doing what was right in my own eyes. Because I was boss of myself. Jesus forgave you. Paul's the one that said this. And Paul was the one that also said, I am the chief of all sinners. He understood that God forgave him. And it's why he had to forgive others. The ones that did all sorts of evil against him. The ones that tried to kill him. The ones that tried to persecute him. The ones that, they, that threw him into a dungeon. Guess what? He forgave them all because Christ forgave him. He understood the importance of his forgiveness. And if, anybody, if anyone in the New Testament is going to see the kingdom, it was Paul. He had a heart that was filled with forgiveness, church. Jesus prayed, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Because he knew that an unforgiving heart will keep us from God. An unforgiving heart will keep you from God. I don't want to leave out either portion. This is a two-sided, two, two-sided verse. Father, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who, have sinned, uh, who, who sin against us. Not just sinned against us, but who will sin against us. And here's what we have to understand, is that us failing to ask for forgiveness will keep us from God. And us being reluctant or unwilling to offer forgiveness, it will keep us from God as well. Jesus understood that an unforgiving heart separates us from God and it puts us under his wrath and under his judgment instead of under his mercy and under his grace. And I'll give you a scripture that proves that. I don't know about you but I would much rather be under God's mercy and much rather be under his grace and one of the ways that I ensure that is to have a heart that asks for forgiveness and to have a heart that offers forgiveness as well. Jesus said this again these are Jesus's words not mine. Jesus said in Matthew 18:23 and on The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors who was brought in owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay it. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed, owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please have mercy on me. Be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to his fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But the creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And they went to the king and told him everything about what happened. Then the king called the man he had forgiven and said, "'You evil servant!' You evil servant. Please underline that if you're underlining anything or taking notes. He called this man an evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. That's how evil unforgiveness is. Unforgiveness, according to Jesus Christ himself, is evil and worthy of punishment. Jesus said to this, I I forgave you of such a tremendous debt. That's what the, the king said. I forgave you of such a tremendous debt. Shouldn't you have the same mercy and forgive others as well? Listen, there is no greater debt that could be paid for us than what Jesus Christ paid on Calvary's cross. There is no greater trespass than all of the trespasses that we have committed against God. There's no greater debt that has been paid than through the blood of Jesus Christ. He paid such a tremendous price for you and me. He forgave us, church. And it cost Him His Son, Jesus Christ. And He's saying, should not you, who have been forgiven much, who have been released from my wrath and from my judgment and from what you deserved. But, but when you begged for my forgiveness, I forgave you. Should you not also offer that same forgiveness to those who offend you? Should you not also forgive those who beg for your forgiveness as well? This is how crucial forgiveness is, church. This is what you and I have to understand This is the danger of unforgiveness. It puts us in bondage. Unforgiveness. Find someone that has lived a life of bitterness. Find someone that has been living a life. I don't care if it's one week, one month, one year, or a decade. Find someone that has unforgiveness and bitterness harboring and festering in their heart. And you will find an individual that is in bondage. You will find an individual that is either in emotional bondage or mental bondage or spiritual bondage or financial bondage. You need to clearly understand that unforgiveness puts you in prison. So many people that I know are going through all sorts of bondages in their life. And if you get to the bottom of it, you will find unforgiveness in their heart. Something, it will put you in some kind of prison. I know people whose minds are a mess because they've got unforgiveness in their heart. I know people whose finances are a mess because they got unforgiveness in their heart. I just know marriages that are a mess. Because they got unforgiveness in their heart. And I could go on and on. But my point is simply this. Unforgiveness puts us in bondage, church. It's an evil sin and it's an ugly sin in the eyes of God. And it separates us from His mercy and it separates us from His grace. Jesus said, that's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive. Forgive. Again, that's not my words. That's his words, church. Jesus himself said in Matthew 6 at the close of the Lord's prayer of what we've studied so far and at the end of it, even after the to, to, to him is yours is the kingdom and the glory and, and the power forever. After that, he goes on and says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly father will not forgive your sins. He will not forgive your sins. The reality is there's no gray matter when it comes to what Jesus just said here. It's plain. It's clear. There's no ifs and maybes. He didn't beat around the bush. He said, if you do not forgive others, I will not forgive you. He didn't say, well, he didn't put a chart and say, well, if it's a real bad uh, offense, you don't have to forgive them. If it's a small offense, forgive them. If it's a medium-sized offense, well, forgive them a little. If it's a grievous offense, you don't have He didn't say that. He said, forgive them. There's only one kind of forgiveness. It's complete forgiveness. It doesn't matter if someone has offended you slightly or somebody has offended you to the point where it's crushed your heart. As hard as it may be, Jesus is saying, forgive them. Because I forgave you. Because when we forgive, guess who it looks like? It looks like Jesus Christ. Sometimes forgiveness is all it takes to change the heart of another person. Sometimes forgiveness is all it takes for them to see Jesus Christ and their life can be changed forever. Because this world is so quick to crucify, this world is so quick to put people down, this this world is so quick to judge and hold hold resentment towards other people. But we as God's chosen people, he said, I have chosen you to be holy and you're the ones I'm asking to forgive. You're the ones I'm asking to set an example. You're the ones that I'm asking you to be a reflection of Jesus Christ, church. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The reality is, as harsh as it may sound, unforgiveness makes us an enemy with God. The Bible says that. The Bible tells me that unforgiveness is an unforgivable sin. It's an unforgivable sin until we offer forgiveness. Unforgiveness in my heart cannot be forgiven until I offer forgiveness to some, until I offer forgiveness. Again, I didn't say that. Jesus said that. And if I have, if I have unforgiveness in my heart, guess what I have in my heart? I got sin in my heart. Got sin in my heart. And if I have sin in my heart without it being confessed... God can't hear my prayer. And if God can't hear my prayer, I can't have the things I ask for. And if what I'm asking for is forgiveness, I can't receive forgiveness, all because I have unforgiveness in my heart. You understand that process, church? Thomas Watson, I don't know if you know him or not, but he's one of the most popular preachers, was one of the most popular preachers in London during the Puritan era. And he writes this concerning how forgiveness must be evident in our lives. He said, if we do not imitate Christ's life with forgiveness, if we do not imitate Christ's life with forgiveness, we cannot be saved by his death. If we do not, I'll say it again, if we do not imitate Christ's life with forgiveness, because that's what his life was all about. It was all about forgiveness, church. And if we don't imitate his life with forgiveness, we cannot be saved by his death. And he goes on to say, for according to James 2.13, there will be no mercy for you if you have not shown mercy to others. Again, the word of God. There would be no grace where grace has not been shown. There will be no kingdom where the kingdom has not been shown. You want to show somebody the kingdom of God? Show them forgiveness. You want to show them the love of God? Show them forgiveness. You want to show someone the the graciousness of God? Show them patience. Show them tender hearted mercy. Show them all of the things that Jesus showed us as He hung on Calvary's cross. When He could have taken all of the, the wrath and, and put it back on us, He took the wrath Himself and said, Father, forgive them instead. If you want to show the kingdom of God to a lost and dying world, show them forgiveness, church. Because forgiveness was shown to us, and it's what changed our life. Amen? We must forgive others, God says, like I have forgiven you. But unfortunately, the reality is the house of God is filled with individuals, like I said earlier, who are living under the wrath of God instead of under the grace of God because they have unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment harboring in their heart. Because they've got something that is impure in their heart. It's like I said earlier, I know lots of people who have been holding on to wrongs for months or years and some for most of their life. And they wonder why they're empty of God's power. They wonder why peace and joy and strength seem to be fleeting, church, or seem to elude them. They wonder why the kingdom isn't coming. They wonder why God seems far off. They wonder why they're in physical or mental or spiritual or emotional bondage. it's all because God cannot release His kingdom into an unforgiving heart. It's because they have not released others the wrongs that have been committed against them. You know why? You know what's at the heart of more addictions than we realize? I did a little study on addictions based on just psychiatrists and psychological evaluations. And one of the things, one of the predominant factors that lies at the heart of most addictions is unforgiveness. It's unforgiveness. It's either unforgiveness or. It's unforgiveness of a father that has abandoned me. It's unforgiveness of an individual that has abused me. It's unforgiveness of a spouse that has mistreated me. It's, It's unforgiveness toward an individual that has mistreated me or spoke all sorts of evil against me. The reality is not a not, this isn't even a spiritual assessment. This is the world saying that at the heart of more addictions than we realize there is this thing called unforgiveness. And it's why it's so important for us to understand that in uh, uh, unforgiveness puts us in bondage. It puts us in in prisons that that, that there's only one thing can cure called forgiveness. Either God forgiving us. You see, there's a lot of individuals that are. They've not forgiven themselves even. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not that they haven't forgiven their their parents or haven't forgiven a spouse or haven't forgiven a neighbor. There's a lot of people in bondage because they haven't forgiven themselves. God's forgiven them, but they're hanging on to the guilt and they're hanging on to the shame and they're hanging on to the condemnation. They're buying the lie of the enemy and they've not come to the place of forgiving themselves, even though God has already forgiven them and they find themselves in bondage. If you want freedom, forgive. If you want to come out of bondage, forgive your father, forgive your spouse, forgive the one that's abused you, forgive. Let them live in prison, but you need to be free. That's what God wants. He wants you to be free, church. And unforgiveness will not allow freedom to come into your life. But I know a host of individuals in the house of God that I've talked to personally that say to me, I will not forgive them. And they call themselves Christians and they come into the house of God and they offer up worship and they offer up praise and they clap their hands and they carry their big Bible and they're a member of the church and their name's on the roll. But their heart is filled with unforgiveness. It's filled with bitterness and it's filled with wrath. And I have to sit there and tell them God's kingdom will never come into your life. Will not come into your life. That's not me speaking. It's Jesus speaking. It's the Word of God speaking. And they live in a prison of unforgiveness, bitterness, and wrath and anger. And they wonder why that individual has to pray two things Oh, God, forgive me for my bitterness. Forgive me for allowing that root of evil to, to spring up within my life, within my marriage or my house, wherever it might be. Forgive me of that. And I forgive that other person as well. I release them to you, God. That brings freedom in our life. You understand what I'm saying, church? Forgive me of my trespasses as I continue To forgive those who trespass against me. As I forgive those who have wronged me. As I forgive those who have said all sorts of evil or done all sorts of evil against me. Forgive me as I forgive those who have abused me. Forgive me as I forgive those who have mistreated me. Forgive those. Forgive me as I forgive those who have done all sorts of evil. Listen. I know that it may seem like an impossible prayer. But if it's not our prayer, we'll live in bondage. And Jesus wants us to be free. Jesus wants us to be free. But we can unless we're willing to pray that prayer. But you don't know what they did. No, I don't. But God does. And He said, if you forgive them, I'll deal with them. If you forgive them, I'll bring blessings into your life. I'll heal your life. I'll strengthen your life. I'll turn your life around. I'll I'll be everything that you need if you would just release that bitterness. Amen? How many wrongs do you think have been committed against our Father who's in heaven? How many times have we grieved Him? How many times have we rebelled against Him or did what was evil in His sight? How often have we caused Him great sorrow. And yet He forgives us again and again and again and again. Because if we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. And we're to offer that same forgiveness as well, as difficult as it may be, because forgiveness Freeze us. We need forgiveness every single day, according to Christ, and we have to offer it every day as well. I'm going to start winding this down if they want to come to the music. But please remember, Christ's enemies reviled against him, the Bible says. They despised and verbally abused him. They spit on him. They mocked him. They punched him. They plucked out the beard from his face They pierced him with nails. They pierced him with a spear. They gambled for his garments at the foot of the cross, laughing, mocking, rejecting and reviling. And yet as he hung there, his very first prayer was filled with mercy. The very first words he spoke from Calvary's cross were filled with grace in the midst of all of his suffering, in the midst of all of his pain, in the midst of all of the evils that were perpetrated against him, the Bible says. In the midst of his innocence and having done nothing to deserve the cross, from this very place, Christ lives up to the prayer that he taught his disciples and us to pray on the side of a hill one day in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. And he cries out to his Father which is in heaven. And what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And here's the thing you clearly have to understand. These individuals didn't ask for forgiveness. He just offered it. You see, there will be people in your lives that will offend you and they will never ask for forgiveness. They'll never say, I'm sorry. They'll never apologize. They will never say, I'm sorry for piercing you through like Jesus was pierced through in his hands, his feet, and his side. But we are called to forgive them anyway. These individuals that gambled for his garment didn't look up to Jesus and say, Forgive me, Jesus, for gambling here. Didn't say, I'm sorry, but he forgave them anyway, church. And what he's asking us to do is the very same thing. He released them to the Father. He said, Father, forgive them. And he released them to the Father. And he's asking us to do the same exact thing, to forgive those who trespass against us. On the day Christ was crucified on Golgotha's hill, I said it in the beginning. He could have called 10,000 angels, the Bible says, to set him free. But he offered mercy and grace instead. He could have rained down wrath, but he said, Father, forgive them instead. He could have clothed himself with vengeance. But he said, "Father, forgive them." Instead, he clothed himself with forgiveness. And earlier, I said he's called us to do the same—to clothe ourselves in tender-hearted mercy. You want to know what clothed Jesus as he hung on Calvary's cross? He might, he might have been naked in the natural, but he was clothed fully with tender-hearted mercy. He was clothed with gentleness and meekness. He was clothed with forgiveness, church. And he's asking us to be clothed in the same exact thing. When someone looks at us, that's what God wants them to see. He wants them to see what Jesus was clothed with on Calvary's cross. How many of you know that's what draws people to God? It's what Jesus did. It's what he was clothed in, church. The truth is our prayers should be as filled with mercy as Christ's were. Our lives are to be as filled with grace As Christ's was. For since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender mercy, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, Paul said, so you must forgive others. So our prayer needs to be Father, forgive them no matter what they have done. That's what Jesus' prayer was, and this was ours. As I close, here's what I want us to understand. A vengeful and unforgiving spirit poisons every offering and every sacrifice that we might ever attempt to bring before God. It poisons our praise, and it pollutes our prayers. And just like Jesus, as he was hanging on Calvary's cross, refused the bitter gall and the vinegar... He will refuse the heart the same exact way that's filled with the bitterness of unforgiveness. It cannot come before God just outside of the holy of holies. Remember, the veil was rent, giving us access into the holy place and into the into the holy of holies where the presence of God was. Just outside on the other side of that veil, the Bible says, was the table of incense. And on that table burned continually four herbs that represented the pure prayers of God's people. And the Bible says that they went up before God and they were a sweet aroma in his nostrils. Four, only four herbs. And I could get into all of that, but I'm not going to teach all that. But... If you study, you'll discover that if any other element was added to those four herbs, it would defile the temple and it would be considered impure. And a cleansing process would have to take place so that once again, it would be a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God. How many of you know we are the temple of God? And if we add anything to the blood that has been poured out in our life, namely unforgiveness... It it pollutes the temple. It makes that which God tried to make holy, it makes it impure. And unforgiveness becomes unacceptable to God. It pollutes the temple. And a cleansing process, just like in the tabernacle and just like in the real temple, would have to take place. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, there's a cleansing process that has to take place. If I have unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment harboring in my heart... I'm impure before God. He will not accept my praise. He will not accept my prayers. He will not accept my worship. Listen, I don't care how long you've been a member of the church. I don't care if your name's on the roll. It doesn't matter how long you've been a, a, a member of the church. It doesn't matter how much money you gave. It doesn't matter how much you pray. It doesn't matter how much you serve. It doesn't matter. Those things don't matter to God if you have unforgiveness in your heart. Because all of it, please understand this, if one other thing was added to those four herbs, it was a stench in the nostrils of God. It was a stench. Plug his nose. God plugging his nose. And what you and I need to understand is that when we have unforgiveness in our heart, every lifted hand is a stench. Every dollar bill is a stench. Every work of service is a stench. Everything we do for God is a stench if we have unforgiveness in our heart. God has called us to be a sweet aroma, a sweet fragrance. He wants our prayers to be sweet. He wants our praise to be sweet. He wants our service to be sweet. He wants every gift we put in the offering plate to be sweet. He wants all the the things that we do in the house of God to be sweet. He wants us to be a sweet aroma in his nostrils. How many of you want to be a sweet aroma to God? Stand to your feet because here's how we're going to close. We're saying tonight, God, I want to be that sweet aroma. But God makes it clear... How we become that sweet aroma. Amen. We have to do two things. We have to say, Father, forgive me. As I forgive others. Forgive me of my trespasses. You know what a trespass is? It's going where you don't belong. It's doing what you shouldn't do. It's going beyond the boundaries that God has set for us as believers, as his holy people. That's what a trespass is. And the reality is every single day we have the potential to trespass, to go where we don't belong, to say what we shouldn't say, to do what we shouldn't do, to think what we shouldn't think. But guess what? God is standing there willing to forgive all we got to say is, God, forgive me for my trespasses. said some things I shouldn't have said. Done some things I shouldn't have done. Gone some places I shouldn't have gone. My mind's wandered where I shouldn't have wandered. Forgive me, God. And you know what He's going to do? If we confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we also have to say, God someone I've been holding a grudge against. Someone I got bitterness against. A father, a spouse, a brother, a sister, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker. I've been harboring bitterness, God, and I need to be free. So God, here, maybe God calls you to go to them. Maybe he doesn't. If he does, go. But all he wants you to do is to recognize that unforgiveness and say, God, I forgive them right here. Right now, I put them into your care, and I'm not going to live in bondage anymore. How many of you want to be free? That's the prayer we have to pray, amen? If that's your prayer, we're going to pray that. If you feel like you need to come to the altar and ask for forgiveness or offer forgiveness, you're more than welcome to do that while I pray. We don't have to beg God. We just have to ask, amen?